We are fighting to have voters vote on paper ballots instead of voting by electronic machine where their votes can be disappeared. I hate it when votes are disappeared. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV 102.3. In Washington, D.C. on 105.5. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. I think we've got a humdinger for you coming up. A Uh, humdinger. A humdinger coming up. Uh, You'll decide. Um, Before we get to the humdinging, uh, Republicans finally unveiled their massive tax cut scheme on Thursday, which would increase the deficit by trillions of dollars if enacted as is. So much for those pretend conservatives who uh, are only concerned about debt and deficit when a Democrat is in the White House. Or when, you know, regular people need something. Yes. Well, more on that, I'm sure, in the days ahead. Also, had you listened to this show two days ago with my guest Marcy Wheeler at the time, you likely would have seen this one coming. But a wildly unqualified nominee to be the chief scientist at the USDA, which Desi Doyen, you reported on uh, weeks ago at the Green News Report. When he was first nominated. Yeah, at the USDA. That would be the, the Department of Agriculture. Sam Clovis, who had been... Uh, nominated to be the chief scientist there. He is a right-wing talk radio host. He is not an actual scientist at all. As required by law for that top scientist at USDA position. Really? That's part of the law? Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, he is not one of them, and yet he was was nominated by Donald Trump to be the chief scientist at the USDA. His nomination uh, hearings, confirmation hearings, were supposed to happen next week, but... As uh, Marcy Wheeler warned might happen, Clovis has now withdrawn his nomination uh, amid revelations of his involvement in the special counsel's probe of Team Trump and Russia. Marcy had predicted that Clovis was likely in trouble when we spoke two days ago. And she also, by the way, predicted that Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, may soon get his own 
time in the barrel as well, that he may be in trouble as well, she uh, had predicted on that show. So the lesson, always listen to the broadcast if you want to know important stuff that's happening before much of the rest of the world figures it out. And the corporate media. <laughs> Josh Barrow uh, from Business Insider tweeted, uh, Sam Clovis is withdrawing from Agriculture Department nomination to spend more time with the Justice Department. Oh, uh, more yeah. on uh, on that, I suspect, as well a bit later, if time allows. Also not unrelated to all of this, of course, Desi Doyen, you will be back with a Green News report. Chock full of fun. Chock full of fun, including uh, the EPA, which is now purging actual scientists from the EPA's scientific boards. Surprise! Uh, yep. That and uh, much more in the Green News Report with Desiree a little bit later on. But first, with Election Day, yes, there's another one coming up on Tuesday in a number of states. One of those states is Georgia. And uh, as you know by now, if you're a frequent broadcast listener, we have been covering in some detail of late on this show the disturbing case of the statewide election server in Georgia that was, according to emails obtained and reported by AP late last week, quote, wiped clean. That just days after the filing of a lawsuit in the state, after concerns about the veracity of election results from the highly contested June U.S. House special election in Georgia's 6th Congressional District, between former Republican Secretary of State Karen Handel and Democrat John Ossoff, who was thought likely to win that U.S. House seat. The Republican Handel won it instead after it was run, like all of Georgia's elections for the past 15 years, including last year's presidential election in the state, on wildly hackable 100% unverifiable debold touchscreen voting systems and tabulators. The complete deletion of the election server computer and its two backups, which emails confirm were degaussed three times, that's a serious wipe, remains a bit of a mystery for the moment, to say the least, in that we still do not know who ordered the server to be wiped out, despite the active lawsuit against the state of Georgia or why it was wiped out. All of that comes on the heels of revelations by Kim Zetter at Politico earlier this year that just, uh, uh, well, the, the revelations came out just before the uh, Georgia's 6th District U.S. House runoff election that the server itself, which is run by Kennesaw State University's Center for Elections, which has been contracted for some 15 years to program all of Georgia's 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting and, and tabulator systems, that server had been left open and completely vulnerable on the Internet for at least six months prior to uh, Kim Zetter's report at Politico. Kennesaw's election center was warned about that vulnerability way back in August of last year, August of 2016. Data security researcher Logan Lamb had tried to inform, had in fact uh, succeeded in informing the Center for Elections about the vulnerability. Nonetheless, Kennesaw appears to have done nothing to protect that server from outside access or manipulation throughout the presidential election and right up until just before this much-watched U.S. House special election earlier this year. 
That even after Lamb had warned that the personal voter registration data for 6.7 million Georgia voters was available to anyone on that server, along with, and, and this is equally, well, more disturbing to me, the ballot definition programming files were on that server, the programming files for the state's easily hacked voting machines and tabulators, and even worse, the administrative password uh, passwords that are used to access all of those systems. All of that was left on these servers for at least six months. Available to anyone on the Internet. On Wednesday night, I was uh, very happy to see Daily Show alum Samantha Bees full frontal devote an entire segment to the issue of this vulnerable server and its still mysterious deletion in the middle of this lawsuit following that June 20 election. We still don't know who ordered the server to be wiped out, but the state's chief election official, Republican Secretary of State Brian Kemp, who is now running for governor of Georgia in 2018, he claims he knew nothing about it. Now, I've posted the full Sam B. video segment at bradblog.com today. You can go over there and catch it. Uh, it's it's sort of a, a, a bit of a Matrix parody, but with a lot of really great information, including an interview with Logan Lamb, that data security researcher who first discovered the vulnerability. Here's a short segment from that, uh, from that piece last night in which B. speaks with two of the lawsuit's plaintiffs, Donna Curling and Donna Price. This is Donna Curling and Donna Price. They're pro-democracy activists from Georgia who have been fighting the machine since it was a good time to parody the Matrix. We are fighting to have voters vote on paper ballots instead of voting by electronic machine where their votes can be disappeared. So the solution from stopping the machines from taking over and ruining democracy is paper and pencil. Paper and pencil. It's voter verified paper balance. What does that mean to people who like don't care? It's when they have a ballot that they mark and they can look to see that their marks are by the candidates that they're picking. Have you ever tried to rephrase the issue to be something like electronic voting is like taking a knee? That will get people excited. Yes, but we need your help to get the word out. <gasps> you mean I am the one? <laughs> I guess. America, listen. There is no evidence that a foreign power has hacked our votes, but we need to focus because they could. And maybe they will, because I just explained how easy it is to get into the voting machines. And until we return to paper ballots, our democracy is at risk of being totally screwed. So there you have it. Sam B. Uh, finding the solution to all of our problems is paper and Pencil, a uh, hand-marked paper ballot. Now, earlier this week, we spoke with Garland Favorito, co-founder of VoterGA.org, which has been sounding the alarm about the state's 100% unverifiable voting systems for more than a decade now, even before the state was the first in the nation to adopt uh, statewide those terrible, unverifiable, very easily hacked systems. His group's statistical analysis of the Georgia 6th District special house election earlier this year finds that the Democratic candidate Ossoff actually defeated the Republican former Secretary of State Handel by nearly two to one in the races, the only race uh, part of the race where verifiable ballots were used, the mail-in paper ballots. 
That despite a Republican-leaning mail-in turnout, and yet the Democrats still won 2-1. to one. Yet somehow, Ossoff, the Democrat, ended up losing the handle anyway on the state's unverifiable touchscreen systems. Now, Favorito's analysis, uh, you can uh, download that interview at bradblog.com earlier this week. His analysis concludes that only manipulation of the voting system by an outsider or by an insider can explain the anomalous results of that June election. But whether he is right or not, we can't know. And that's the problem. And that's just one of the reasons that a forensic examination of the state's election server as the plaintiffs in this lawsuit had been hoping for to determine if the programming somehow manipulated uh, was manipulated in some fashion with malware. That's why such a forensic examination is so important. But with the server wiped out, such an examination may now not be possible at all. That said, Georgia's Secretary of State Brian Kemp posted last night at Facebook, quote, after conducting an internal investigation, it is clear that the Kennesaw State University Center for Elections did not do anything nefarious. The data in question is safe and secure. The plaintiff's claims are baseless and ridiculous. There is zero evidence that Georgia's voting equipment has ever been manipulated. Of course, there is almost no evidence at all from Georgia's voting equipment. He adds the media created this hashtag fake news story. It's time for them to tell the truth. That is from the Secretary of State of Georgia. But... Making even all of this even more disturbing today, while Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp claims that he knew nothing about the server wipe, the Associated Press reported last night that his attorney in this case, the state's deputy attorney general, has now quit the case. She will no longer defend him. Uh she will no longer defend the secretary of state in this lawsuit, though the reasons for her quitting remain murky. We will talk about those reasons and we will speak with one of the plaintiffs in this case to help us understand what the hell is going on right after this quick break. I'm Brad Friedman and this is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across yep. this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing Welcome it back to the Bradcast. The Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Don't know if the devil made a deal down in Georgia or not, but something is going on. Something is very odd, very strange. Been talking about this uh, server that was wiped out by the uh, by the state by Kennesaw State University's Center for Elections, which runs which programs all of Georgia's voting systems, unverifiable voting systems uh, across the state. They deleted it right after a lawsuit was filed following 
uh, the uh, the June 20 U.S. House special election in Georgia's 6th Congressional District, which had a very odd result. AP has now made things even more disturbing with this report last night from Frank Bajak at Associated Press. He reports the Georgia Attorney General's office will no longer represent the state's, the state's top election officials in an elections integrity lawsuit filed three days before a crucial computer server was quietly wiped clean. The server in question was a statewide staging location for key election data. It made headlines in June after a security expert disclosed a gaping security hole that was not fixed for at least six months after he first reported it to election authorities. Personal data was exposed for Georgia's 6.7 million voters, as were passwords used by county officials to access the election files that were used in those races, both in the uh, U.S. House special election in June and last year's presidential election, by the way. The assistant state attorney general handling the case, Christina Correa, notified the court and participating attorneys Wednesday that her office was withdrawing from the case, according to email obtained by the Associated Press. Spokeswoman Caitlin McCreary offered no explanation and said she could not comment on, quote, pending matters. Secretary of State Brian Kemp, the main defendant in this case, is running for governor in 2018, and his campaign said in a statement emailed to the AP that the attorney general's office has a conflict of interest and therefore cannot either uh, cannot represent either Kemp's office or the state elections board. The secretary of state's office has said it had said in an earlier statement that the law firm of former Georgia governor Roy Barnes would now represent Kemp and other state election officials, but it made no mention of any conflicts of interest. The campaign statement quoted uh, uh, campaign spokesperson Mahoney. Uh, what's the uh, first name here? Uh, where I, I don't see whatever the first name. Ryan. There we go. Ryan Mahoney as saying, quote, there is no scandal or vast conspiracy. This is a tasteless nothing burger cooked up by liberal activists who know their lawsuit is nothing short of stupid. OK. Both Kemp and State Attorney General Chris Carr are Republicans. Barnes, the former governor whose law office is taking over the case, is a Democrat. Joining us now is one of those liberal activists who happens to be a longtime Republican and uh, one of those who apparently cooked up this tasteless nothing burger that has now led to the state attorney general pulling out of the case for some somewhat sketchy reasons. Marilyn Marks is a longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections. As executive director of the Coalition for Good Governance, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization committed to fair elections and government transparency. In 2009, as a Republican, after a narrow loss to become the mayor of Aspen, Marx discovered the vulnerabilities in election systems firsthand and began devoting herself full time in the subsequent years to election integrity litigation and lobbying efforts. On behalf of the coalition, in July, she became a plaintiff in the lawsuit filed after the state's June 20th U.S. House special election after serious questions about the results of that race, which were run on the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. 
She joins us now to uh, help me at least understand what the hell is going on in the state of Georgia. Marilyn Marks, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much, Brad. Um, you may have uh, overplayed my hand there by saying I can help you understand. It's an <laughs> enormous mystery, and, and the mysteries continue to increase every they, day. They really do. I've got uh, I've got a lot of questions for you here, particularly based on this new AP report, uh, Marilyn. But first, uh, let me let you uh, just respond to the, uh, I guess, the Secretary of State's uh, uh, gubernatorial campaign spokesman uh, <laughs> saying you are a liberal activist who's cooked up this tasteless nothing burger and a stupid lawsuit. Uh, okay, well, uh, first let me let you respond to that uh, that uh, response. Well, um, some of my family who who are actually longtime Democrats are going to be so happy to hear me being <laughs> called a liberal. They're, they're just not going to know what to do because uh, they've been worried for years about my being a Republican. Um, but one of our other plaintiffs is actually probably to the right of Brian Kemp. Um, Ricardo Davis mm-hmm. is the chairman of Georgia's Constitution Party. Right. I, yeah. And, um, so I don't know where, uh, I mean, uh, they're reaching. They're reaching here to come up with this. Um, and um, they know the merits of the lawsuit. They know it's not stupid. Or else why would they have erased the records? And why is Kemp's campaign spokesperson involved in this at all? He is, uh, he's being sued as Secretary of State. And the campaign uh, spokesman, uh, Ryan Mahoney, had said apparently in a text message to AP that the conflict stems from, quote, too many co-defendants with potential differences in strategy and approach. He was talking about why the attorney general's office said they can no longer defend the secretary of state. But why is a a campaign spokesperson involved (laughs) in this at all? Do you have any idea? Well, you know, I think that um, Brian Kemp is um and rightfully so getting getting a black eye here um and um you know what he has done is shameful there's no way to explain it and of course it's going to hurt his campaign so i'm sure that his defenders and campaign managers are doing everything they can to um to go on the offensive and try to make other people um look like they are to blame and that their candidate is innocent this cannot be helping his his campaign um, at all, but I think when people step back and say, "Well, now wait a minute," if if they erase the servers, and they did it twice, I want to come back to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. When they when they erased these servers, they did it for some reason, and it wasn't because our lawsuit was stupid. <laughs> you know, Brad, they they erased the primary server, the main server, mm-hmm. on July the seventh, and mm-hmm. as you said, that was just days after we sued them on July the third. But then there was the backup server. Mm -hmm. And the day after, in in August, on Mm -hmm. on August 8th, the the, uh, case was moved to federal court. Mm -hmm. And on the morning of August the 9th, um, Judge Totenberg accepted the case in federal court. On the afternoon of the 9th, they wiped the second server. They wiped the second, the, the two backup servers, as I understand it, and uh, part of the emails that were uh, uncovered uh, either by the AP or by the uh, by you uh, in the lawsuit said that the technicians are talking to each other and says uh, we degaussed it three times. Correct, correct. And they, they degaussed it after they had debanded it, which apparently is a program that securely 
completely nukes. I think the N stands for nuke, but, yeah. but it's, it nukes, nukes the hard drive. So this was not exactly, you know, an accidental thing that they thought of at the last moment. And I want to ask you, uh, well, I want to ask you about uh, more of Kemp's response here, but according to AP's new report last night, Christine Correa, I guess the uh, assistant uh, state attorney general that had been handling this case on behalf of the uh, uh, the AG's office until she quit a couple of weeks ago, and we only are now finding out about it. Apparently, no, no, she yeah. just they just that just happened actually. Excuse me for interrupting. Yeah, that's okay. Just to make sure we're on the same page here. Um, no, we found out about this uh, Wednesday morning. Okay, and um, she she wrote to the plaintiff's attorneys saying. She implied the decision had just been made I see. that the AG would no longer represent um, any of the state defendants or Merle King, who was at uh, uh, Kennesaw State University. Uh, so, no, this is very new as of Wednesday morning. Well, according to this report, uh, Correa, uh, if that's how you say her name, uh, informed the group of attorneys that the data on the server was wiped on March 17, the same day that it was apparently returned to the Kennesaw State Center for Elections. Uh, by the FBI after a probe into the uh, into the security incident that took place uh, back in March, the uh, when it came out th- that for the second time they had discovered that the data was all sitting there vulnerable on Kennesaw State University's uh, servers. So I, I'm uh, confused by that. She says okay, March. Okay, let me walk you through yeah. that. Okay, so what's happened is the um, number of conflicting stories that Brian Kemp's people are telling about when the server was wiped. And I believe, Brad, and this is just pure speculation on mm-hmm. my part, I believe that a good, uh, probably a good part of the reason that the AG's office had to withdraw is because their clients were giving them, let's say it nicely, conflicting information, and they kept changing their stories on when this information was deleted. So, and their clients um, being that would be Brian Kemp, the Secretary of State, and the, the various uh, state election board, mm-hmm. and Merle King. Merle King, who was the uh, the president or the executive director of the Kennesaw Case. State University right. uh, Center for Elections. That's right. And so we heard from Ms. Correa on um, October the sixth for the first time in about the, about the state of the service. She says, "Oh, both of these server um, hard drives were erased and deleted." Uh, on March 17th. There were some details that she gave that didn't sound quite right to me. That's when I filed a FOIA request to try to find out more. Mm. My FOIA request was delayed and delayed, and then I, I asked about it, and the guy says, well, you know, I've got to run these things by the Attorney General now. This is in litigation. On October the 18th, mm-hmm. I still hadn't gotten it back yet. On October the 18th, Ms. Correa wrote to all of the attorneys and said, oops, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Mm-hmm. Oops, um, I was wrong. Um, it wasn't wiped in March before the litigation began. Instead, one of them was wiped July 7th, and one was wiped July or August the 9th. Mm-hmm. Well, that was quite shocking. And then on the 30th of this month... So, so do you... What? Well, let me... Before we get to the 30th, do you feel that she was just mistaken or that she was given bad information when she said, oh, it was it was wiped way way back in March, way before your lawsuit? Uh, do you think she was just given bad information by someone at the Secretary of State's office or, uh, or at Kennesaw? Well, I don't know where she got her information, but it was detailed enough mm-hmm. that an attorney general's office or an attorney would not have had 
those details without the client giving it to them. And an ex- I mean, a reason for an attorney general to say, I can no longer defend these yes. people might be yes. because she was realized she was lied to at some yes. point? That's what, that's, that is what, that's what I believe, and as I'm mm. only speculating, yeah. but that's what I believe must be part of the story, because now they have yet the third story on this, and at some point the attorney general's office or any attorney would have to say, I'm sorry, my client is not being very candid with me at a minimum, mm-hmm. and I cannot keep representing a client who's going to keep telling different stories. Um, and so what happened on the 30th, which would have been, what, um, Monday night? Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Kemp released an investigative report that he had done on this situation, and he claimed this time that he never knew of any of any of this wiping of servers until October the 24th, apparently when AP called him. Now, I, I added that parenthetical note, but he just said he had never heard of it until October the 24th. How could it be that his attorney knew of it in October the 6th, right. in October the 18th, and he didn't know of it until the 24th? Something seems odd. And I, I believe that the attorney general must have at some point said, enough deceit. We're not going to go along with this game. Because they did not, uh, it was only the campaign spokesperson who said, oh, she dropped out because there was too many co-defendants with potential differences in strategy and approach, etc. I don't even know what that means, why that would lead a, uh, a, a, you know, an attorney, an attorney general to drop out from defending the secretary of state. That doesn't make sense. Well, um, it, it certainly they do have to, an attorney, uh, whether it's attorney general or, or in private practice, uh-huh. when they represent multiple people, and when the conflicts of interest, when conflicts of interest arise, they in fact do have to withdraw from all of those plaintiffs, not just one or two or three. They have to withdraw from all of them in the event that a conflict arises. Well, the weird thing is we knew the conflict existed last June before mm-hmm. the lawsuit started, because at that point, Brian Kemp had already thrown KSU and Merle King under the bus by saying, I'm canceling the contract. They're, they're, they're not performing their duties well. And at that point, there was clearly uh, there, there, there was an, a misalignment of interest. So it was always strange to me that the, that the Attorney General was trying to represent them both. But um, I think that that conflict's been known for a while. But I really believe that this records destruction certainly must have had something to do with their decision well if the if the conflict was already known uh weeks ago uh months ago ago, yeah then that would have been the appropriate time to say i can't represent uh one defendant or another or all of the above but she waited until well apparently just over the past uh, day or two (laughs) right Uh, yes um something seems very odd now they were able to um engage the services of um former Governor Barnes' mm-hmm. uh, firm, and they seemed to do it very rapidly. So maybe it had been in the works for a while, but um, I wouldn't know that because that's going to be a matter of attorney-client privilege. Can, but uh, it is going to be interesting to find out how much the state is going to have to pay now for all of these defendants to be represented 
by private attorneys who mm. charge multiple hundreds of dollars an hour. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, Kemp, uh, the, the Secretary of State, has um, <clears throat> since described the KSU Center for Elections as being incompetent. Uh, he blamed all of this on their, quote, ineptitude. Uh, but he was uh, singing their praises uh, on, I think this was just Election Day, just a few months back in this uh, self-promotional video that he posted to his own Facebook page. Uh, l- let me uh, play a short clip of this, and uh, Marilyn Marks, I'll, I'll get your response to it. Okay, we are great. going to KSU, the Center for Elections. They're a great resource for us, a great partner. And uh, we're going to go up here and take a little tour of the Election Center. Well, the Election Center at Kennesaw State University does a great job supporting our whole statewide election system that we have in Georgia. And they're not just thinking about the election today. They're also thinking about what we need to be doing in the future. Uh, Certainly helping us in today's election by building ballots, supporting our counties, you know, testing our equipment, making sure that we're ready for today. But also looking into the future, some of the things that they're testing right now, trying to figure out ways that we can uh, run our poll books if the power cuts off in in the uh, precincts. Different things like that that they're always working on. They're a great resource for us. They're a big part of our team, not only supporting the Secretary of State's office, but also the counties. Well, he uh, that was Secretary Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp uh, singing the praises of the Kennesaw State University Center for Elections. <laughs> Uh, he seems to be singing a different tune now about them, Marilyn? Um, he, well, he's been uh, doing a lot of flip-flopping these past few days because, you know, after he called them incompetent and their, you know, gross ineptitude and went on and on with that, then um, on this report on October 30th, he released it saying, oh, they were just, they were just uh, operating under standard operating procedure. To, to delete these records. So um, Brian Kemp, I'll just say, he's a little hard to follow yeah. on his views about what's going on. And, and I think that one of the mm. things that he said in that, um, that unbelievable diatribe against KSU, mm-hmm. he, he calls the server a compromised server, which, you, of course, since it's central to the system, as you said, Brad, mm-hmm. that compromised server, of course compromises every piece of election equipment and election machine and tabulator and memory card. It has the potential to do just that in the entire system. So he says the server was compromised, and then his next sentence is, but our elections are safe and secure, and I'm going to keep them that way. Huh? Yeah, it makes no sense. And by the way, <laughs> this is uh, just days before uh, another election in the state of Georgia, municipal elections uh, in Atlanta and elsewhere around the state. I want to ask you about that in a second. But uh, going back for a moment uh, to this FBI, uh, which had uh, the FBI had come in and apparently examined the server when this uh, breach was reported, this vulnerability was reported publicly by Politico earlier this year. They are believed to have created a copy of that server, the uh, an image of it. Uh, 
unclear whether the Atlanta FBI still has that image of that server, which you would need, your case would need, if you were going to have any sort of shot at a a forensic investigation of what was on that server and if there was malware or something on it. Do we yet know? Now, Kemp has said that he plans to, or maybe already has, subpoenaed the FBI for a copy of that image uh, file of the now deleted server. Do we know what the status of that is? If the FBI still has the server, and if uh, Brian Kemp has subpoenaed the FBI to get a copy of it? Okay, we know that the FBI does have a partial copy, and I want to come back to that. And we know that the AG's office said that they would attempt to subpoena that um, that uh, copy from mm-hmm. the FBI because the FBI, in fact, had near-term plans to destroy all those records. So we don't know that whether the subpoena was issued, but, Brad, it will only be a tiny partial answer mm. because it turns out that much of the data, um, some of the archive data that's necessary, was on the backup server but not on the server the FBI took. And that is the one that they erased. The backup server is the one that they erased the day after it went to federal court. They erased that on August the 9th. So that, that information is nowhere to be found ever again. Uh, M- Marilyn, material from federal elections, and I've been trying to make this case <clears throat> now for over a de- about 15 years. <laughs> material from federal elections, which yes. this was, uh, yes. b- both the House race and the presidential election last year, are supposed to be retained for 22 yes. months after yes. such elections. And for years, yes. I've been making the case that wiping out memory cards uh, that they do and the, the memory cards that go into these machines, uh, since they contain ballot definition files and results from elections, that that's a violation of the 22-month requirement. I can't seem to get anyone to make that case in court. Has that come up in, in your case uh, at yes, all? It, yeah. yeah. Well, yes, it has. It's not in front of the court yet, but it has certainly been. It's one of the things, Brad, that I, I ask our attorneys to put in front of the other side, oh, some weeks ago now, as we were arguing about the November 2016 memory cards, mm-hmm. and I asked them to remind the counties that, in fact, that of exactly what you just referred to, that federal law. The problem is that election officials tend to want to, to believe and pretend, although there's no case law to support this, that um, so long as they save some copy of what what ends up being in the final results yeah. and maybe some type of electronic copy of a ballot somewhere on a CD, then that's good enough. And never mind about all of the important records that went into the generation sure. of those reports. Yeah, the, the, the logs that, uh, of, of who logged into those systems, if there exactly. was any malware or whatever that would not show up in a report of results, etc. Right, right. Exactly. And this is, is very annoying, but, uh, and I get aggravated because it's quite purposeful yeah. uh, on the part of so many election officials. But um, you're right, the logging is one of the things we really wanted. We wanted to see who other than Logan got into that system, mm-hmm. who other than Logan and Chris Grayson and Andy Green, and there are a long list of people who got into that system who were the good guys. 
who got in and said, whoa, well, I'm in here, you, we got a problem. Yeah. We wanted to see how many bad guys or, or, or un, you know, anonymous mm-hmm. guys got into the system, and it appears that those are the types of records that have been erased. Is there any and other vector to get to that information, any other server, any other logging anywhere, and... Uh, is is this a should this be a criminal case for for violating uh, the, the the you know the whatever the federal records act is that requires them to keep that stuff for 22 months and yet they deleted it in the middle of a lawsuit is there any uh, criminal actions that can or, or should be taken here people keep asking that question and I really don't know enough about the criminal statutes on this to mm-hmm. give you a good answer but um, it certainly doesn't seem right that people should be able to get away with this without any accountability, particularly when it's purposeful. Um, and so I, I don't, have, don't have the answer. And then when you ask about are there other archives, logging mm-hmm. records, we don't think so. But we, as soon as we are permitted to take discovery um, and depositions, we will certainly be asking those questions first and foremost. This, uh, as I mentioned, this same 100% unverifiable voting system, uh, presumably also programmed by Kennesaw State, again, the same people who deleted the server and left the material open, the passwords and everything else open on the Internet. Um, That same system will yet again be used in municipal elections set for... This coming Tuesday in Atlanta and uh, and elsewhere, I know you wrote a letter, uh, I think, to to Kemp and to the various election officials around the state asking them to make paper ballots available to all for this November 7 election. Have you received a response from Kemp or oh, any well, of, of the other not. election officials? Of course not. And, um, you know, the early voting started a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So people are already using these. I did get a call from a candidate last night who was very worried about this. And um, she said that candidates are, that she's talked to are very concerned, but they are nervous about making a public, a public ordeal out of it because they're afraid that they will be um, bad-mouthed by Brian Kemp, that they're, they're afraid that they will be, you know, ostracized, marginalized, made fun of, and so they don't know what to do, but they know that because the system, I mean, even Brian Kemp admitted this system is compromised, and then they're running an election on it, um, which is completely irrational, not to mention that it's illegal. And if there was any uh, any uh, malware that had gotten into the previous system, do we have any idea whether it was when they created the new server, whatever they're programming it with now, that malware or whatever could have also moved to this new system, correct? Oh, absolutely, because um, in, uh, they w- wouldn't have had the time, uh, even within the last year, to have cleaned up everything, because as you know, that malware can travel down to the memory cards, the voting machines, the optical scanners, and um, the gem servers down in in the counties. And so things could have traveled there in the last six months, year, two years, and there has been no effort to try to to disinfect all of the various components. I mean, there are 27,000 of these touchscreen voting machines. 
in Georgia. There's no way that they should be in use when we know that the system was subject to a high degree of risk. Uh, to say the least. Marilyn Marks, uh, really appreciate your work on this lawsuit. And yeah, I guess those candidates, uh, they don't want to be called liberal activists cooking up uh, nothing burgers. Uh, liberal activists like you, Marilyn Marks, Republican executive director of the Coalition for Good Governance. Really appreciate the work you're doing here. Hope you'll stay in touch. We'll continue to try to stay on the story and get out word any way we can about it. Uh, folks can support your work at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. Thank you. And uh, can follow uh, your group on the Internet, on, on the Twitter. What's the best uh, place? Is, is this? Uh, you know, it's Probably I do more uh, tweeting out under my my own name. It's Marilyn R. Marks One. Although they have to ignore they have to ignore my political uh, positions on that because I'm not I'm not tweeting out for Coalition for Good Governance there. Okay, well but, that, that's <laughs> Marilyn R. Marks the number one, and then right. there is a Twitter account for the coalition at right, C. Right, and they can find it at there. C. Good Gov. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. Right. Marilyn, thank you so much. Stay in touch. We'll, uh, I'm afraid, be talking to you again soon. Okay, I look forward to it. Thank you for your support of this, Brad. You bet. Thank Bye you. Now. Man, that is maddening. It, oh, con- it continues to be maddening. I've been mad about this for 15 years, and nothing seems to be making me less mad. No, it's, it's downright insane hearing about the machinations and the shenanigans, I would call them, that have been going on. And I hope, I hope that officials, authorities, law enforcement officials can get to the bottom of this. And what what is most maddening about this is we don't know, you know, I mentioned earlier uh, Garland Favorito, his his analysis at uh, Voter GA uh, uh, you know, who he believes that the only explanation for the results of the U.S. House race could be some form of manipulation. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with him. His analysis, it's a 78-page report. Uh, I'll try to link to it. Uh, but that's the thing. I don't know. He doesn't know. Maryland doesn't know. Brian Kemp, the Secretary of State, doesn't know. Nobody knows who actually won or lost the U.S. House election in Georgia in June or even the presidential election last November in Georgia because of the types of systems they use. So even if everything was perfectly on the up and up, Donald Trump won in Georgia, Karen Handel overcame the odds and she won in that uh, U.S. House race. Fine. But we don't know. And there is no way to prove that she won or lost. And that's a problem with democracy. And that's why we need hand marked paper ballots counted publicly by actual human beings. Democracy's gold standard. It should not be this hard. Quick break, and we're back with uh, the Green News Report after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. 
That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, once again here uh, for Comic Relief, <laughs> De- Desi Doyen uh, with, uh, with, our, uh, well, with our latest Green News report. We've got a couple of uh, stories sort of related here that uh, might have otherwise made it into today's GNR, but they came in a bit too late. We'll hit those updates after, uh, after we run our latest Green News report. We also need to respect the science that we're relying upon to make decisions. EPA Chief Scott Pruitt purges scientists from EPA science boards. Winters in the U.S. are getting shorter. ExxonMobil fined for Gulf Coast air pollution. Hurricane Maria has officially caused the longest blackout in U.S. history. Plus, the Trump administration proposes doubling entrance fees to your national parks. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. This year, six million Americans were ordered to evacuate in Florida because of Hurricane Irma, and a quarter million around the country are displaced long-term. We know how much Americans hate refugees. Wait till they have to deal with refugees from Mississippi. Oh, man. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, the longest blackout in U.S. history? Uh, yes, the loss of electricity in Puerto Rico since Hurricane Maria struck the island on September 20th, six weeks ago, is now officially the longest blackout in U.S. history. The lack of electricity for 70% of the island is blocking other vital systems like communications, sewage, and water treatment from coming back online. I cannot even imagine being without electricity for that long. I can't imagine. Imagine being without it for a day, much less, what, six weeks now? Yes. Meanwhile, winters in the United States are getting shorter thanks to global warming. Thanks, global warming. That's according to an AP analysis of more than 120 years of weather data, which found that starting about the 1980s, the first freeze of the year began arriving later and later, and spring began arriving earlier. Last year, the freeze season of 2016 was more than a month shorter than the average freeze season 100 years ago. See, that's one of the problems, actually, with global warming. A lot of people kind of like it. My parents can play golf until December. Yeah, but that shift in timing comes at a price with consequences for the food supply. It allows the spread of agricultural pests and impacts food crops that require sustained cold temperatures like peaches and apples. Oh, there's that. Trump Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Scott Pruitt on Tuesday implemented sweeping changes to science advisory boards that make recommendations to the agency for regulations based on scientific research. He is purging from those advisory boards any scientists who receive EPA research funding, saying they have to choose between their publicly funded research or serving on the boards. In a speech on Tuesday, Pruitt characterized their service as a conflict of interest. When we have Members of those committees that have received tens of millions of dollars in grants at the same time that they're advising this agency on rulemaking, 
that is not good and that's not right. And yet, at the same time, he's putting people on those boards who definitely have conflicts of interest because they work for the fossil fuel companies that these rules are meant to regulate. One of these guys he's naming to a science advisory board has actually argued that the air right now is actually too clean because children's lungs need irritants. That's who Scott Pruitt is putting on his science advisory boards. Exactly. Pruitt's restrictions do not apply to researchers funded by the industries that are being regulated by the EPA. Now, critics call that move a stunning blow to scientific integrity. In a statement, the head of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, scientist and former House Representative Rush Holt said, we question whether the EPA can continue to pursue its core mission to protect human health and the environment. Good question. In Texas, ExxonMobil has agreed to spend $300 million to upgrade air pollution controls on industrial flares at eight oil and gas facilities across Texas and Louisiana as part of a settlement with the Trump administration EPA announced this week. And for violating the Clean Air Act for years, the Trump administration has fined ExxonMobil $2.5 million. That's an amount the watchdog group Public Citizen called a slap on the wrist for polluting air breathed by Gulf Coast residents. Finally, Trump administration Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke has proposed hiking entry fees at 17 of the nation's most popular parks, from $30 a vehicle to $70 a vehicle, Mm. so that visitors can pay for a $12 billion backlog of maintenance projects, even as the administration proposes cutting the Park Service's budget. Public lands experts say that raising national park fees won't raise enough revenue to pay for the maintenance and could actually harm revenue by making the parks unaffordable for most families. The Department of Interior isn't giving the public much time to weigh in. The public comment period closes on November 23rd. Well, our national parks are our national jewels. I guess we have to keep the riffraff out of them. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Don't come around here no more. We should uh, clarify, uh, just to be be clear, they're not raising the uh, rates for entrance to these national parks yet, right? Correct. They're just proposing... Right. Moving up to 70 bucks. They are proposing, which is why it's really important for folks who care about such things to jump in and make a public comment at the National Park Service website. Um, That's Mm -hmm. something that really, really does make a difference to let people know. And, you know, a couple of other things that we couldn't get quite into Mm -hmm. the Green News Report today was that critics also say that this is going to harm rural economies, the economies of towns that are outside the national parks that rely on tourism and outdoor recreation equipment to... uh, 
uh, to generate economic activity, and they get that from the parks. So if these fee hikes reduce attendance, that will hurt those economies. And also there's another question about, well, if you reduce attendance and you reduce revenue that comes into the parks, well, then you have Republicans who will say, oh, these parks can't pay for themselves, so we're going to have to lease these pieces out to oil and gas to get some revenue and then sell off some pieces, too, because they just can't we can't afford to keep them. Also, uh, a couple of points that uh, came in too late for our Green News report. We mentioned at the top of the show that uh, Sam Clovis, the guy who had been nominated to be chief scientist at the USDA, even though he is not a scientist, he is a talk radio host, a right wing talk radio host. And while I would usually be happy to see a you know, success <laughs> for a talk radio host, uh, in this case, I would rather have a scientist heading the USDA. He is uh, has an, he was nominated there by Trump. He has announced uh, he has pu- withdrawn withdrawn his nomination uh, because it looks like he's being uh, he, he has been ensnared in this special counsel probe uh, into uh, Russia and Team Trump. So he is out. That is actually good news, at least for those of us who care about science. And speaking of good news and science, oh, this, this is late today. Yes, this is exceptionally good news that Representative Lamar Smith, he's a Republican from uh, San Antonio, uh, representative from Texas. He is a raging climate science denier and chairman of the House Science Committee, naturally. And uh, he's been attacking climate science and federal scientists for years now. He has announced that he is no longer going to to run for re-election in 2018. So thank you very much and goodbye. Please don't let the door hit you on the way out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Lamar Smith. So he's out uh, in the House. And Sam Clovis, by the way, also huge science, uh, climate science Oh, absolutely. And also a race baiter, too. But hey, you know, all that stuff didn't really particularly matter to the Trump administration. But oh, you know, the Russia stuff, that was just, that was too much. Uh, My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to my guest today, Marilyn Marks of coalitionforgoodgovernance.org and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us if you missed any portion of today's program I hope you will download it for free anytime at bradblog.com or at your favorite uh, podcast site wherever you go please don't forget to leave a good word so that uh, it makes it a little easier for everyone else to find us as well You can uh, drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters and share today's show or any other worldwide. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at uh, thebradblog. And as ever, my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help make all of our work possible here on the Bradcast and on the Green News Report and at bradblog.com. Please don't wait for someone else to help us out. Consider doing it yourself by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. That's it, I think. All right, very good. Thank you. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.